You are listening to the On the Go with VAO daily news podcast for the week ending August 21st, 2015. Hi, and welcome back to our weekly recap of the top headlines from this week's daily acquisition news. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Bill Olver, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Bill's colleague, content developer and fellow news writer, Dara Curran. Hi, everyone. If you missed the last couple episodes or are just joining us for the first time, we want to make sure you're aware the podcast can now be found on iTunes. Look either for ASI Government or the title of the podcast, On the Go with VAO. You can listen to us there directly, download the file to your computer or mobile device, and subscribe to automatically download the latest podcast when it's released. We also want to invite our VAO subscribers to attend next week's webinar on Thursday, August 27th. This is the third installment in our series addressing contracting officers' representatives, and we'll be examining COR roles in both the pre- and post-award phases of the acquisition process, common and best practices with respect to COR roles and responsibilities, limitations on delegated authorities, and responsibilities related to invoice review under cost reimbursement contracts. The webinar will run from noon to one, and attendees will earn one CLP for their participation. So let's get started on headlines with some promising news from the Congressional Budget Office. CBO has found discretionary appropriations for fiscal year 2015 stayed within the spending caps established by the Budget Control Act, and consequently, further sequestration should not be required. Yay! Now, the fiscal year is not quite over, as we all know, and those caps still could be exceeded depending on what Congress does before the end of September. Additional appropriations outside one of the exempt categories or not offset by reductions in other areas could still cause the marks to be overshot. That would require reductions in fiscal 2016 to compensate for this year's excesses. CBO findings do align with the latest determinations by the Office of Management and Budget and final decision making on whether a sequester is required and how it would be administered does rest with OMB. The Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs reports that federal agencies expect to save $22 billion over the next five years as a result of evaluating their regulatory requirements and eliminating those that are either outdated or whose costs did not justify their continuance. Since President Obama issued an executive order in 2011 directing these efforts, agencies have completed nearly 200 of these reviews to date and identified some two dozen rules or regulatory provisions that will be eliminated altogether. The actions will also reduce regulatory and compliance burdens on state and local governments, industry, and the public. We had a lot of news coming out from the General Services Administration this week. First up, GSA announced new contracts with air carriers under its fiscal year 2016 City Pair program. New contracts will expand the program's coverage to more than 1,000 additional markets and are expected to save $2.35 billion in fiscal 2016. Those new rates are effective October 1st. GSA also announced some welcome adjustments to its per diem rates for the new fiscal year. Standard lodging in the lower continental U.S. will rise from $83 to $89, and the current range for meals and incidentals will rise from $46 to $71 to a range of $51 to $74. GSA also added two new non-standard areas, Grand Lake, Colorado and Picos, Texas, and recategorized 15 former NSA locations under the standard rate category. 
Also effective October 1st, GSA will update its integrated acquisition environment systems to implement recent FAR changes to acquisition-related dollar thresholds. The new thresholds will affect the system for ward management, the federal procurement data system, the electronic subcontracting reporting system, and the Federal Funding Accountability and Transparency Act subaward reporting system. The Federal Acquisition Service successfully implemented corrective actions identified in a 2013 audit by GSA's Inspector General. In that report, OIG found that senior FAS officials had been intervening in the award and extension of multiple award schedule contracts, resulting in several unfavorable effects. FAS has implemented the steps it outlined in its corrective plan and taken additional actions intended to prevent improper management intervention in the future, including issuing memos that emphasize the importance of maintaining procurement integrity, establishing a liaison to resolve issues between contractors and contracting staff, and renegotiating specific contracts that were identified in the original report, which has resulted in significant cost savings. And finally, GSA has released a long-awaited request for proposals on behalf of the Office of Personnel Management for its Human Capital and Training Solutions, or HCATS, government-wide contract. With both an unrestricted and a small business component, the multiple award IDIQ contract will encompass training and development services, human capital strategy services, and organizational performance improvement services. This contract is part of GSA's Federal Category Management Initiative, and OPM will be taking the lead as the category expert in this area. President Obama on Monday issued an executive order making the Presidential Innovation Fellows Program permanent. The program will be housed within GSA, which will have responsibility for appointing a program director and program fellows, who will serve terms between six months and two years, and facilitating placements of fellows within projects. Federal agencies are encouraged to work with the program director and the soon-to-be-appointed advisory board to identify initiatives that could benefit from the involvement of one or more fellows. The National Aeronautics and Space Administration is taking a closer look at how to create more effective challenges as part of its open innovation programs. A source of sought notice posted to FedBizOps called for research on independently validated scientific formulation on designing contests and parameters demonstrated to support innovation. Responses are due by September 2nd. Finally, the Department of Justice has announced it has reached a settlement with U.S. Investigation Services, or USIS, and its parent company, Altegrity, to resolve allegations of False Claims Act violations and breach of contract. USIS allegedly provided the Office of Personnel Management with background investigations it represented as complete under its contract with the agency, when in fact not all of those investigations had undergone contractually required quality reviews. The firms agreed to relinquish $30 million in payments they claimed were due to them under the contract in exchange for a release of liability under the False Claims Act. So we saw some interesting items come through this week in relation to information security. Obviously, that's a big hot topic on everybody's mind lately. Now, of course, the data breach experienced at OPM, that's a major issue. Huge concern for federal employees and contractors, and on a personal level, too. um, You know, securing information stored on cloud systems, also a big issue. I mean, it has been for a few years now, right? So... Last week, we talked about OMB's new draft guidance on improving cybersecurity, including strengthening contract clauses, which is really part of that. That guidance also touched on a lot of areas related to contractors and subcontractor security controls, um, requirements for reporting security incidents, breaches, or attempted breaches. 
The guidance also proposed requiring contractors to have in place an information security continuous monitoring system. We're hearing a lot about this. Um, agencies could do that in a few different ways. They could require the contractor to purchase a monitoring system or services that meet federal requirements themselves. Agencies could also arrange to monitor contracting systems using their own tools and infrastructure, or they can also offer contractors access to the Department of Homeland Security's Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation, which we will call CDM for succinctness after this program. <laughs> so now, not surprisingly, in the last week, we've been hearing a lot more uh, going on about this program, which is run by DHS with help from GSA, collaborative uh, adventure yes. there. Yes. Yes, yes, we have. Now, they are one, the, the interesting thing they announced this week, uh, DHS and GSA are working on a cybersecurity dashboard that will work with the CDM program and uh, vendors and services um, under that program. Uh, vendors who have received task orders on DHS's CDM, CDM blanket purchase agreement will receive three components of this dashboard tool, a federal enterprise management module, a continuous monitoring module, and on-demand applications capabilities. Uh, GSA and DHS expect to have the initial version of that available early next year, and they'll update it frequently. I think it's about every six months or so. Um, and agencies will have one enterprise license uh, for the dashboard, which I guess they will be able to share with contractors, uh, according to seems to be what OMB is saying. Now, DHS awarded a blanket purchase agreement for CDM services and support last year, which is where you know how they're going to roll out uh, this dashboard. Mm -hmm. And so now we're now in the first option year of that BPA. And the BPA divides CDM services into three different phases just by way of explanation. Uh, phase one focuses on what they call endpoint integrity. And that means things like managing your hardware and software assets, managing your systems configurations and vulnerabilities. Uh, phase two is access privileges, uh, managing who can access your systems, how they access them with their credentials, and also managing security behavior. And phase three focuses on what DHS calls boundary protection and event management. And that includes planning for and responding to events, how you're going to document requirements of policy, and also quality and risk management. Um, so that's a, it's a great BPA for these, these kinds of services, and agencies are required to get to get continuous diagnostics up and running. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this is a long-awaited tool, um, you know, when it was released, and, and DHS and GSA are continuing to improve that and make more, more services available. Uh, they're also rolling out a shared services option uh, for CDM services for some small and micro agencies that weren't a good fit for that BPA. Uh, these agencies are going to be able to um, acquire CDM solutions through GSA's Alliant contract instead of through the BPA, and that will allow them to buy services as a service, um, basically on an ad-needed basis like they would with other cloud services. Oh, that's interesting, interesting concept. And so scaled down for them, basically. Right. They're, they're <laughs> nice. very, very small offices, yes. So, you know, you mentioned access controls, and I think when you think about cybersecurity, honestly, it's something that you kind of don't really think about. You're like, oh, the evil hackers, you know, who are working, you know, behind the scenes and to, to you know, get into stuff. But, you know, there's just more simple 
precautions to be taken, and that's, you know, who has access to get into those systems. So last week, the Department of Labor, uh, Office of Inspector General, highlighted three areas of vulnerabilities it has identified in past reports uh, when uh, when it's evaluated the department's information security program. And one of those big ones was access control. OIG had found instances where separated employees, you know, gone off into the sunset, they continued to have access to the department's computer networks and systems. And they found other deficiencies in areas like training, um, systems privileges, right? You you want to make sure people only have access to what they need access to, and system security plans. Now, labor has taken actions to remedy these issues, including working to implement multi-factor authentication. That is another big buzzword, buzz term, I guess, what we're hearing around the cyber controls for all of its, its systems, and also logical access via personal identity verification cards, which I think we were all supposed to have by this point in time, but... <laughs> Not everybody has them yet. So OIG's main recommendation in the report boiled down simply to the department needs to put some serious focus on the area and take proactive steps to address the weaknesses. You cannot wait until something terrible happens to start making changes and, and you know, shoring up your defenses. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And some of these and some of what the OIG was recommending in this report were, like you said, very simple things. Who has access to your system? You know, you don't want your terminated employees being able to, you know, log in somehow and get into your system. So it's very simple stuff. And that, you know, provides a good foundation for the complicated stuff, you know, that we're talking about with CDM and, you know, all that other stuff, all those other areas. So good foundational. Yeah. And I think it's good also to to just, you know, have some steps that are basic and comprehensible even to the most, you know, civilian right. among us who is tech savvy. Tech savvy of us, like, yes. You know, password protections and, and things like that. Lock up your computers and, you know, make sure terminated employees are sent on their way with good luck, but not computer access. Well, like <laughs> so. you say, it's everybody's responsibility. Yes, definitely. Yes. All right. Well, you know, it's been kind of a slow week. Congress is on recess, and that's really pretty much all we had to cover with you. We do hope you enjoyed it. If you're a government agency subscriber to ASI Government's suite of acquisition publications, you can find links to the headlines we discussed today on VAO on the same page where you downloaded this podcast. And unfortunately, that is for government agencies only. Uh, While you're there, you can also comment about the podcast. We'd love to have your feedback on the format or the content or anything else you would like to tell us. Yes, we love your we love your input. And we hope that you will tune in again on August 28th for our next weekly news recap. Thanks so much for joining us.